live from Liberty Park, USA. I'm Tavis Smiley, and you're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. So glad to see you and me back in stride again. Our phone number, 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. All of our socials can be found at KBLA 1580. That's Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All at KBLA 1580. Let me also invite you right now to download our app and take us with you anywhere in the world and listen to us in real time only by downloading our app right now at KBLA 1580. Should you miss us any day in real time, check out the podcast of this program by going to the app, the website, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, so many places to get the podcast and listen at your leisure should you miss us any day in real time. But I am delighted to have you along live with us today for the next three hours. You can also watch the live stream of this program by tapping on the KBLA TV icon on our app or by going to our YouTube channel. And let me also invite you to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Real Tavis Smiley and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. Another great show on tap for you today. In our second hour, historian Dr. Gerald Horn on the potential for present-day social movements and progressive politics to affect meaningful change in the ongoing fight to one day make America a nation as good as her promise. In our third hour, Monique on her Netflix comedy, My Name is Monique, premiering this Tuesday. But in this first hour, two more conversations on the B side of this hour, a Women's History Month conversation with uh, Alexandra Alex Allred, who made sports history when she won the first ever U.S. Women's Bobsled Championship, but she was more than four months pregnant. Alex is part of a new book called When Women Stood, the untold story of females who changed sports and the world. That's on the backside of this hour. We commence today's program uh, with our regular contributor, noted civil rights attorney and towering public intellectual, Connie Rice. Connie, how are you today? Hey, trying to stay dry out here. <laughs> we went from drought to drowning out here. Yeah, in LA. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is that is the case. Uh, let me let me start with this. A, a quick update. Um, uh, as you know, uh, all of you who listen to the station, I'm, and I'm we're, we're grateful for every one of you, of course. Um, every day at four thirty-five, um, for weeks now, we have been covering the Mark Whitney Thomas trial like nobody in the town. Um, we are covering every day at 435 with our justice correspondent, Dion Raymond, who's inside the courtroom, has been every single day. Um, she joins Ariva Martin on her program, Ariva Martin in real time, every day at 435 to give you a daily download of the case. I know you're listening because we can see the numbers. We see you when I walk to the streets and go places. You're stopping me, telling me you're tuning in. So thank you for tuning in. And we wanted to make sure that we covered this if nobody else did, so that this community would know uh, what happens inside the courtroom every single day. So they are now uh, on day six, uh, day six of jury deliberations. Um, I'm told moments ago they have now gone through 11 different notes from the jury, so 11 notes, most of those questions. Um, But they're at it again today. Uh, And all the lawyers on both sides, Mr. Ridley Thomas himself, everybody in the courtroom, in the courthouse at this point, uh, waiting for either more questions or potentially a verdict today in that case. Connie, I'm not asking you about the case specifically. I know you've been too busy probably to cover it as we have every day. Um, But um, your thoughts on, I was reading an article yesterday. I was just doing some research on something else and popped up on an article from like 1982 in the Washington Post uh, about um, the attack on black leaders. We were going through a period back then where where every major black leader scene was under attack by the federal government for something. Um, So writ large, uh, you've been around long enough to to see these stories 
of African-American leaders who are targeted by law enforcement. Again, I'm not asking you to comment specifically on the case, but just this broad notion of black electeds down through the years who found themselves in these situations. Mm-hmm. Well, Tavis, I think you're picking up on a, a strain of history that's connected to the overall exclusion and sort of banishing of African-American power. I'll never forget when I was clerking for the great late Damon J. Keith, oh, yes. the United States Court of Appeals, a judge um, in the Sixth Circuit and based in Detroit, the court sat in Cincinnati. and uh, But the courthouse in Detroit, that second floor, had more African-American judges than any place in the country. You had Anna Dix Taylor, Julian Cook, Damon J. I mean, it was just, it was the best place in the world. But long story short, we discovered that in the basement of that of that building, the FBI had taps on all of the African American judges. Mm. I don't know what that and 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 it was African American FBI agents who warned us, and it was because of the 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 uh, uh, scandal in Chicago. But they went after all African American. There wasn't probable cause for that. Those judges weren't doing anything, and um, nothing ever came of it. But that just tells you that. As far as I'm concerned, whenever I'm serving an African-American official, my eye is always on the attacks, the sort of subterranean, submarining attacks that can come. Now, that doesn't mean that African-American officials aren't corrupt Mm -hmm. and haven't been convicted rightly. Um, If there's corruption, uh, you need to go down for it. Mm -hmm. Trump, same thing for Trump, same thing. But the thing of it is this sort of disproportionate focus. Is what I as what I see sometimes, mm. not all the time, but sometimes. Yeah, um, nicely put, uh, and that's all I wanted to get your take uh, on this uh, on this notion writ large of uh, the issues that these politicians oftentimes find themselves in as African Americans. Just getting started in conversation, in conversation with Connie Rice. A great deal more when we come forward on KBLA Talk Fifteen. Interrogating your assumptions and expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's get back to Connie Rice on KBLA Talk 1580. See how much uh, ground, Connie, we can cover between now and the bottom of the hour here. Um, Let me start with this. Um, Big story that uh, I saw all over the news last night. You probably saw it as well. Um, Given what happened in Nashville, this shooting where our precious babies once again uh, were murdered and America seems not to have the will to do anything about gun violence in this country. Uh, it was a huge debate yesterday on the floor of the House, uh, but the real debate was a shouting match uh, caught uh, by reporters uh, in the hallways outside of the chamber um, between two uh, House members, uh, Jamal Bowman out of New York and Thomas Massey out of uh, Kentucky. Uh, Jamal Bowman, as you might imagine, is a Democrat from New York, Thomas Massey, as you might imagine, a Republican from Kentucky. And we are told, Connie, they got into it. It got ugly in the hallways uh, of Congress yesterday. Uh, I don't know what to make of that, but what do you make of the fact that even uh, as these stories continue, uh, I guess uh, a few days ago when this actually happened, we were live on the air, and I said then that we were 86 days into the year and at 130 mass shootings. 86 days in, 130 mass shootings. What say you? I'd make these points. There's nothing uglier than the dead bodies of children, Mm. number one. Number two, the country does have the will to change this. It's the Republican Party that does not. Mm -hmm. Number three, and this is is hard, the mass shootings grab the headlines, Tavis, but African-American children have been dying by the tens of thousands over the last 40 years by handguns 
and other kinds of guns. Mm. We had a level of violence uh, in, in, in L.A., in Detroit, in Chicago. Currently, Chicago is at the level L.A. was 20 years ago. But the uh, uh, black children were dodging bullets just to get to their junior high schools. Uh, black grandmothers were putting our babies to bed in bathtubs during the crack wars because the bullets would come through the drywall. And the country, there wasn't even a headline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. wasn't even reported. So I want, I want us to make the distinction between these horrific mass shootings at schools and churches and uh, sporting rings and Vegas country music concerts. And it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a litany of shame. And there is the will, the country, even gun owners, even NRA members want basic gun safety. They want, who needs machine guns? We now have assault weapons. They're, 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 they're 25% of the country has uh, an AK-50, a, a, an AR, uh, a, what is, what is that gun that, that all the AK-57? The AR-15, yeah, AR-15. They're the modified, the modified machine gun. Mm-hmm. The second, the Supreme Court is absolutely wrong. The Second Amendment provides for militias, for states to raise militias. The Second Amendment does not mean a machine gun in every 18-year-old's hands. It's just wrong. The court is wrong. The Republicans are wrong. And there's going to have to be a, the public is going to have to rise up like the Israelis rose up in the streets and, and how Black Lives Matter protesters rose up in the streets, 26 million. We're going to have to shut Washington down to change the physics of this, because right now we are stuck on stupid. Mm. Let me go back. Let me come back to um, the powerful point you made a moment ago. And, uh, not surprised it, it came out of Connie's mouth because she always puts her finger on on uh, on the pulse here of what we're missing. So we didn't we didn't we didn't raise a stink, haven't raised a stink for the past forty years or more. To your point, where we've seen black babies killed because the mass shootings get the headlines, as you mentioned. But black babies have been murdered all across this country with handguns, other kinds of guns. I take your point. Here's what I want to push. Here's, here's what I want to get at, though. It's one thing in, in, in a country where racism is perhaps the most intractable issue ever to not see a stink raised about the killing of black babies. But I can't wrap my brain, Connie, around the fact that in this country, we don't raise a stink around the killing of white babies. This is Sandy Hook. This is Nashville. Um, so I hear your point about what needs to happen. I don't disagree there. But what does it say about about a democracy? Where we, you and I discuss these race issues all the time. Um, and so for those who may be surprised that they're not getting more serious about this when their babies are being killed, you would say what? We have now allowed, this is about money. This is about money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gun manufacturers make billions off these guns and they, and they whip up the fear that you need an assault weapon because the government is coming to take your, your children. It's coming to take your guns. IRS agents are going to knock down your door. If you listen to the advertising and you listen to reactionary fascist talk radio in this country, which is what the Republican, most of the Republican Party seems to listen to, they, they like the insurrection. They had an, they had a, an insurrection choir. They put their hands there. Did you see that, that mm-hmm. MAGA rally in Waco, Texas? No, I they, saw it. They're having a, they're having a psychotic break at this point because the country elected a black president. But when, but, but, but when you, but when you look, when you look at, at, at what the, you know what this is? Because it's about money. I call this necrocapitalism. It is such an extreme form of capitalism that we put guns 
over the lives of our children, gun profits over the lives of our children. We put gun profits over sensible gun policy, and we allow children to die, uh, African-American worshipers to die, and Mother Emanuel. We allow, we allow these, uh, you know, the Tree of Life synagogue pogrom. Um, we allow mass shootings because we allow a capitalist system that actually factors in death. Mm. And um, we've allowed, because if you have, if you can't, if your government and your policy and your, and your, 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 your systems can't respond to children being slaughtered, you've reached a point of dysfunction, and you have to ask why. Why do we allow this kind of unregulated mayhem to prevail? And why do we allow the, the ginning up of such mass fear and loathing that people, every time there's a mass shooting, Tavis, the sales of these guns go up. Mm-hmm. It's actually good for business. So you have to ask yourself, what kind of economic incentives create that? And um, until we're willing to really crack down on a system that forces workers to go into factories where they actually die from COVID and then because they bought the companies have bought immunity, the families can't even sue over for wrongful death. Mm-hmm. That to me is a system that's going so far back. We're back beyond the robber baron days. And when you have greed, uh, greed is good. Racism is good. Hate is good. Look at what we're turning to culturally in this country. It's not surprising that dead children don't ring a bell loud enough for change and regulation and clamping down to come. As I always do, I love your I love your your framing. Uh, and I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were laughing because they they said, "Yep, that's Connie." I tell them all the time, Connie's Connie's refrain that always uh, is in my head is, "Tabish, get your frame right. You got to get the frame right." Uh, she says it to me all the time, and I, I hear it in my sleep sometimes. It, 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 is the framing right, Tabish, in the conversation that you had today or we'll have tomorrow? How do you frame it properly? And so I'm I'm glad to have you frame this properly for us. Uh, and I love the language. Uh, Connie calls it uh, necrocapitalism. I, I I love the line, a litany of shame. That's what it is. This is a litany of shame. You mentioned Waco, Texas, uh, which means we got to talk about Donald Trump for two seconds since you went there. I'll follow you. Um, We now know, uh, as of yesterday, uh, that uh, the grand jury in Manhattan, uh, uh, Alvin Bragg's uh, grand jury, uh, has taken a break. uh, And so we will not uh, get a indictment in that case should there be one forthcoming we won't get one at least until the end of april now that they've taken a break uh donald trump a week or two ago said he was about to be arrested imminently that turned out to be a lie not to be true and again now we know it won't be at least until the end of april before there's an indictment if there is at all um so that's those are the facts here's what i want to get your take on though this came up in a conversation the other day and i said i can't wait to ask connie about this um you and i are both students of history uh and you always weave history into your into your into your commentary and I'm wondering, what do you make of the fact that in 2023, it turns out that not one, not two, but three, all three of the persons uh, who are uh, uh, standing on the precipice, if I can put it that way, perhaps of indicting Donald Trump, happen to be African-Americans. Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, Letitia James, attorney general in New York State, Fannie Willis down in Atlanta, Georgia. What's that say about our democracy? Uh, what's it say writ large? I don't want to color the question much. You take it where you want to take it. But there are three African-Americans, two in Women's History Month, who are at the front of the line, as it were, to prosecute, to indict a former president in America. I think we have to thank our ancestors, Tavis. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. This is the work of Thurgood Marshall, you know, 
Fannie Lou Hamer. This is the work of, of Harriet Tubman. Go go way back. You know, Frederick Douglass. Look at the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Thurgood mm-hmm. Marshall, Elaine Jones, you know, all, all of the Nabrit brothers. Mm-hmm. We stand on, and Martin Luther King Jr., all of the African Americans across this country and churches across this country that got out and fought for us to be able to be where we, we stand where we stand because they stood up. And the result you're seeing in elected officials, that's the Voting Rights Act, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the court has just gutted that. We have to get up and stand up like our ancestors did and figure out how to change the physics that has locked down our ability to even retain the stuff they fought and died for. The reason we have three African-American prosecutors, all excellent, all successful, but they better hurry up because the Republicans are passing legislation to actually remove them like mm-hmm. Putin does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they better hurry up and get these indictments out. Uh, but the reason that we have these three folks is because our ancestors fought and died for us to be able to claw back at least that amount of progress. Yep. Um, five minutes left, and I want to uh, close, I think, on this. Um, the whole country is watching California. We are leading the nation uh, when it comes to reparations, as you well know. Um, the reparations task force winding down their hearings. I think one or two remain and they'll be done with all the public hearings. And then uh, they will make a recommendation to the state assembly, um, uh, to the state legislature uh, for how uh, this ought to be handled. As you well know, great debate about what's happening in San Francisco and the notion even that black folk who qualify in San Francisco would get $5 million per person. Uh, but the conversation is just all over the place. Um, what say you as we head toward this moment where the legislature in California is going to have to take this issue up once the task force concludes its work? Well, first of all, a standing ovation for their work. I mean, these are serious scholars, very serious thinkers, and, and they have, they, they're not paying attention to the politics of this at all. They're, they're talking about what the equities demand. And there are two ways of it. There are two levels. There's the individual compensation of descendants of slaves. And then there's a more systemic approach to reparations that actually forces the realization of the promise about fixing our systems so that they actually are an escalator up rather than a, a spiral, a vortex down for African Americans. So I politically, I think the systemic approach has the better political tenor to it. It, 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 it. There are more hooks for it in the larger population. I don't think with, what, with where we are racially right now, uh, 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 we've gone way, way, way back in terms of white America's uh, 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 mind frame on race. And so I think that fighting, fighting for individual amounts of money is probably not viable, however justifiable and just. I think that arguing that the tally, the bill, for 300 years of uncompensated uh, um, uh, labor and mass kidnapping, mass rape, mass murder, that tally is in the trillions. Mm -hmm. And I think to make that point is very important. But then strategically and politically, I think that the the smarter way to go about it is to ask for the systemic fixes with massive Marshall Plan level investment. I'm I'm getting scared, Connie. I've got about three minutes left here. I'm getting scared. Uh, as I watch this, and I, and I do mean scared, uh, it's it's starting to frighten me because I, 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 I know how the political game is played, um, and you know it better than I. I'm getting concerned that the talk about the money is going to make a mockery of the conversation, a mockery uh, of the restitution, whatever that looks like. But the money, 
uh, I think is uh, is is about to to make this whole thing laughable, and I don't know what to do about that. I'm more afraid that it's going to make it dangerous mm. because the the whipping up of anti-black uh, animus is hot and heavy right now. Just look at these rallies that you see in MAGA-land. It's, you know, at this point, you know, there's a point when the kindling has built up. You can strike a match when the kindling's not there and you don't have a catastrophe. If the kindling is is high, 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 you know, high as cotton, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you light a match to it at the wrong time, remember the frame we're in. Mm -hmm. We are in an aggressively, (laughs) viciously anti-American frame in our history right now. And um, there, there's, there's a timing issue, so I agree with you. Yeah. Um, we shall see what happens again. There are one or two more hearings to go, uh, and then um, we will uh, uh, be waiting on the California, watching the California oh. legislature and to see what they do. But again, the whole nation is watching uh, California on this particular issue, and we will see uh, what comes of it. Connie, as always, good to have you on. Uh, thanks for your time, and we will, we will talk soon. Take care, Davis. All the best to you. Uh, when we come forward, I've got a great show lined up today. Uh, on the back side of this hour, a conversation with Alex Allred, uh, who uh, uh, made some history as, a, as an athlete winning the uh, first ever U.S. bobsled championship for this country uh, while she was more than four months pregnant. Uh, we'll talk to Alex here in just a moment. Uh, in our third hour, second hour, I should say, I'm jumping ahead of myself, in our second hour, uh, Dr. Gerald Horn uh, will join us uh, about uh, uh, whether or not these present social movements that Connie referenced a moment ago, including Black Lives Matter and others, uh, and for that matter, progressive politics, um, to the extent we have any uh, progressive politicians, uh, whether or not what we're witnessing right now can have an impact uh, long term on meaningful change in this place called America. And I was jumping ahead of myself because in the third hour, I'm delighted to be uh, joined today by our friend Monique. Uh, she has a Netflix special that's premiering this coming Tuesday, April the 4th. Can't wait to talk to Monique in hour three. Going to be a great show. Stick around for the next two and a half hours when we come forward after news, traffic and sports on KBLA Talk 1580.